Good evening. You are listening to a Radiligen Broadcasting Premier Podcast TV party tonight. I'm your Jedi Master. No, I'm the man. You wish Report. you were a Jedi Master, Mark. Go oh, back into your Rancor cave. Um, I. Right, I can't I'm hate the... on Rancors anymore. From what Danny Trejo said, they're basically the pit bulls of outer space. Mark Rattledge, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified. And this is TV Party Tonight. Tonight, our favorite show is The Book of Boba Fett, brought to you by the good people at Lucasfilm and Disney Plus and, uh, bah, bah, and Gollum Creations. How about that? Joining me is the aforementioned lover of all dogs and hater of humans, Alexis Haina. How do you do, madam? I don't hate all humans, <laughs> just a few specific ones. It's a cute nickname, and I'm st now I'm staying with it. You've been tagged. Congratulations. How did I move from the girl who's nuts about corgi butts into that? Um, because I thought of it, get obsessed with it, and then it stays. That's how this works, right, Andrew? Andrew Graham from Canada of the Canadian uh, podcast crew. Good evening, everybody. How are you guys doing? Very good, sir. All right. So, yes, we are talking about the Book of Boba Fett tonight, and we're going to jump right into this. Uh, it's funny. When Alexis and I talked about Eternals, uh, after a fact, we we came to the conclusion that eh, this might have worked better as a series. There was a lot of information to digest and disseminate, and this might have been better spread out over six or seven hours, not tried to shove into a two-hour uh, feature. And Boba Fett has the exact opposite problem, where there was not nearly enough story for a television series, and there was just about enough story for 90 minutes, such to the point that we had to do two episodes of The Mandalorian for no apparent reason, Andrew. And I know that yep. the structure of this thing was something that stuck in your craw. So get it out of your craw and throw it on the table for me. Yeah, thanks very much, Mark. Well, <laughs> this was definitely, I'm going to say, probably one of the more frustrating things that I've, I've reviewed in this series and that I've watched in a while. Because mm -hmm. it is definitely something that, that's less than the sum of its parts. Yeah. There, aren't, there isn't a lot of bad things about this series. It's how it's all put together. Because, I mean, as we'll get into... There's a really strong first four episodes of this where I think they're they're building towards something in terms of the character Boba Fett and everything like that. And then, as you said, we get episodes two and three of The Mandalorian. Or season 2.5. Season 2.5 is, is, is what we're there calling it on. That's what we're calling on the MCU bleeding edge. Oh, yeah. That's actually a really apt description is season 2.5 of The Mandalorian, where, again, there's nothing particularly bad in there. But you suddenly pull all of your momentum and all your storytelling away from that, right? From the main Boba Fett story to only wrap it up in kind of the the last episode. And it, it, as we'll get into, it brings in some stuff from outside. I'm going to say a lot of kind of viewers continuity and tries to set it up without any payoff. And it's just it's kind of an interesting mess. And I have I don't know if if I'd agree with you could have crammed this down into a movie. But I think you could have written this series differently. There's a, a phrase, Alexis, that Jim Cornette often uses. And you don't have to know wrestling to know where I'm going with this. But I do want to get your I know who on Jim Cornette idea. is. Um, that th sometimes you get a match that needs a stadium. And sometimes you got a stadium that needs a match. And that's what this show kind of reminds me of. This was... They had, the, you know, they have all of this content that they are contractually obligated to provide for Disney+. Plus. And so it's like everyone's getting their own show and everyone gets a spinoff of said show. And, you know, they, they got to try to milk this for all they can, which I'm fine with. But you really then have to put some effort into developing a strong enough story to support a series or don't do it. And, and here, again, this felt more like a stadium that needed a match than the other way around in that they like we got to do this Boba Fett series. And then it's like, OK, well, we have a Boba Fett series and we have seven episodes to do it in. Well, what's the story going to be? I don't know. He gets out of the Sawlock pit and hilarity ensues. Pretty <laughs> and... much. I feel like the creators had three interesting stories they wanted to go with, and mm. none of those were enough to fill up an entire series. So they're like, okay, let's just slap them together as best as we can. We got him with getting out of the Sarlacc pit and being with the Tusky Raiders, which was fascinating and really mm. interesting to watch. A great story arc. But that's in our splice with his... Um, 
current rise is what's the term they could die daimyo thank you yeah um which again is also interesting and then we intercut it with mandalorian 2.5 which was good but at the same time it's like that's not what we came here for so it's one of those like well if you look at it at the individual parts you enjoy it you try to look at it as an entire series you go no thanks i want to touch on the sarlacc stuff because i have a lot to say about that but i i can't I feel like this is an opportune time to bring this up, except that it happens towards the end of the show, not at the beginning. But Andrew, I have to tell you, and I'm curious to get your reactions. I kind of both hated and loved, I'm going to go with Alexis's MCU thing, um, the, the Mandalorian 2.5. Uh, I, I, I both loved and hated the Mandalorian 2.5 episodes. The stuff with the Mandalorian was fine. I actually genuinely enjoyed yeah. that. And I can almost... Mm-hmm. And I can almost make an argument for if you want to do an episode of TV that goes away from the main storyline to bring in this other character who you're going to have in the grand finale, I'm okay with that. In and of itself, the episode with Grogu would have been okay. And I don't think I would have hated it as much as I do if it had ended any other way than it did. Um, basically, they say to Grogu, you can either take the chainmail uh, shirt and go be with the Mandalorian, or you can stay here and be a Jedi. And, and you and I talked about this offline, Andrew. They essentially gave a toddler an adult choice to make. You know, it was like, <laughs> you, if I could say to, my, say to my son when he's five years old, you can go off to college, Jonas, or you can stay here. Like, that's not something you would do. And it, sometimes they treat the Grogu character. Somebody clearly read Lone Wolf and Cub and took it a little too literally. <laughs> they, they sometimes treat Grogu as if it's a toddler. And then other times they give it almost like adult uh, characteristics. So they, they treat it like it's an adult. And it's like, well, what what is this? And here's the thing. And this is what I want to get your reaction to. I feel like The Mandalorian Season 2 ended phenomenally. Not, not just the appearance of Luke Skywalker, which was all fanboy wonderful. And, you know, who doesn't love a good Skywalker kicking ass scene, right? Oh, yeah. Hallway fight champion 2021. Absolutely. Here's my problem. Um, they ended, essentially, the storyline with Grogu and the Mandalorian. Grogu went off to be a real boy with Luke Skywalker. That's it. We needed to move on from that. And Mandalorian and the Mandalorian needed to have a new adventure. And instead, we undo all of that. We undercut the entire ending of ending of the Mandalorian season two, just so Grogu can have a very brief cameo in the final end sequence of the Book of Boba Fett. And I was like, "You're sacrificing really, really good storytelling to try to create moments in your show to satisfy, I think, fan service, but doesn't add to." solid the solid story if you catch my meaning oh absolutely i think i think you know i'm gonna agree and i think the stuff with the jarin in in kind of episode five i thought was really really good mm-hmm. i think what they needed to do in that one is cut back cut back three quarters of that episode get rid of all the stuff with, with luke and grogu mm-hmm. still keep the things with him interacting with i want to say she's called the armor but yeah i could be wrong mm-hmm. but the interaction with the armor and then um, the other member of House Vizsla, since we're getting into the deep Mandalorian thing, have him separate from the other Mandalorians, because I think that still builds to a stronger moment in the finale, where yeah. um, <laughs> where he's having that conversation with, uh, with Boba Fett, where it's like, you can leave if you want. Just, no, I'm not leaving. That's part of my oath. This is the mm-hmm. way, which one of the best, this is the ways you can get, but... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I do I'm really sure. like that he, he helped him free of charge, and he felt a loyalty to him. That was oh, good absolutely. writing. Absolutely, but you could have cut all that stuff with Luke and Grogu and Ahsoka and built some tension there as well to say that, you know, he comes back, he sees, you know, he gets his new ship, which, that was a good episode. You didn't need a 10-minute shipbuilding scene in there. Even though, okay, fine, BD-1 is awesome. I'm I glad we're bringing in... I didn't Fonger. mind the Mandalorian um, and uh, uh, Brian making mess. It was fine. Um. <laughs> but I showed you guys the clip of um, somebody did the scene of him testing out the starfighter to highway to the danger zone, and oh, I yeah. mean how perfectly it 
this. You know, I, you've, I, I made the Breaking Bad joke, but you've seen the Fly episode of, uh, I think it's the Fly or the Mosquito or something like that. In Breaking yeah, the Bad. Fly. Okay, okay. You know what I'm talking about. Andrew, you're shaking your head no. I've never watched Breaking Bad, actually. Okay. There's a there's an entire episode dedicated to them just trying to like catch this fly in the meth lab. Okay. I, it, it, the idea is that the fly is the point of view. of So you have multiple scenes of them talking, but it's like the camera's off in the distance kind of a thing and it's it's a it's one of those fly on the wall literally uh, literally taken so i don't again it's not I, a bad I, episode i don't mind them spending some time building the ship and you know and having a moment together that that's all fine what i do mind is when your central narrative is undercut by the new thing you want to do just so you can have grogu come at you know <laughs> have you seen the meme yet of grogu walking up to the rancor and going sun's coming down uh <laughs> <laughs> I shared that. I'm going Sounds to get real low. That. Yeah. And I mean, uh, although Grogu I, I, curled up to the sleeping beast was, was so freaking cute. And you saw the TikTok that? I sent you of here comes of <clears throat> here comes the hot stepper, right? What? Gro Grogu walking to the rancor to here comes the hot stepper. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Alexis, um, just sort of wrapping up this little bit here. The these I think we're we're all in agreement, but I want to make sure I get you in on this and then we'll we'll go back to the beginning of the uh the series of how unnecessary the Grogu stuff was, but the Mandalorian stuff was fine. I think it's a contention that Andrew and I are at. I actually would have been okay with the stuff with Ahsoka as long as they kept Grogu and Luke at a distance. Okay. <clears throat> I think it would have been better to set up Mandalorian season three. In fact, you know what? I'll even do this. Cut all that stuff with Luke and Grogu but still at the end of or in episode six of book of, or of uh, book of Boba Fett, Grogu comes back and then we have a bit of a recap episode or two in the season three of the Mandalorian explaining why Grogu has come back. See, and then you have a little bit more with the training and the build up to that. So you I don't have, a, you don't have a problem with, with the fact that they sent Grogu off with Luke and then they reverse course entirely. I knew it was going to happen. There was no way that season three of The Mandalorian was going to exist without freaking Baby Yoda. I mean, I'm sorry. I just, you've been to Galaxy's Edge at Disney mm -hmm. World. You have seen the amount of Baby Yoda merchandise. There I, is no way Disney is going to shoot their moneymaker in the foot. My lizard brain agrees with you. My, my story brain wants to vomit. <laughs> I think that's my problem. You get what I'm saying, though. No, we, we all knew. It's like, I agree with you. Story-wise, it makes no sense for Grogu to continue on yeah. with Din Djarin. But there's no way it wasn't going to happen. My main concern is, how the hell is a bounty hunter going to use that starfighter? <laughs> I mean, Grogu's sitting in the droid It's going to drag him from a with a rope. Just <laughs> Actually, something about that um, yeah. that I did see a little bit of kind of discussion online. I can't remember who I can attribute it to, but basically them saying that symbolically him moving away from something like the razor crest of the starfighter means he's getting on from being a bounty hunter so season three we're going to see him doing other things okay yeah i, I could i could go with that all right and as they grogu sitting in the droid compartment basically going go faster go faster it's <laughs> very adorable <laughs> all right let's go back to the beginning of the thing i want to talk about the escape from the sarlacc pit and Look, I am, I'll be the first one in, in, in any other podcast to be like, well, that's not what they decided to do. You know, books are books and comics are comics and they're going to do what they want to do in the TV and movies. That's fine. Um, as a fan, and this is going to be my one kind of fanboy man tantrum, uh, having read the Del Rey uh, published books of the mid to late 90s, early 2000s, where um, in I think it's Tales from Java's Palace and Tales from the Bounty Hunter. And then the Dark Horse comics, like I believe it's Dark Empire, was the one I'm re remembering. Boba Fett's escape from the Sarlacc pit was handled with a lot more um, detail. It was a much more arduous task to get out of there. The Sarlacc itself was presented differently. It was almost like a, like a group of cavernous tunnels. Like It's like being inside of an octopus, uh, that kind of a thing. And I, I want to say it, I want to say it's in one of the short story books that I mentioned that he actually has to like walk around the Sarlacc pit for a while to try to get out of it. Um, and he's having to like avoid puddles of acid and stuff like that. And so the thing that I was, I wasn't tremendously excited when they announced that they were doing this just because you guys know me by now. I don't get excited by much these days, but I did want to see the escape from the Sarlacc pit 
actualized on television. So that I was legitimately excited about. And then what I got, Andrew, was a kind of a thing. And then and then he burst out of the sand and then we're done. And then he's off to being mugged by the, by the Jawas and then going to live with the sand people. And I'm like, that sucked, man. Like, I'm not again, I'm not one to throw myself on the floor and throw a big man baby tantrum. But I feel gypped. You know what I mean? I have I have other things on this that I got to get on to in terms of, you know, man, uh, fanboy tantrums. I kind of mm-hmm. like that scene. I think it was kind of yeah. short enough to, to, to you know, kind of show how, you know, how effective still Boba Fett is. So there are a lot of other things still digesting in there. How he got the stormtroopers, we're not sure. I guess they probably just wandered into something because of poor helmet design and everything like <laughs> that. But I mean, the scene the scene worked well enough to show that he's kind of just this resourceful, you know, kind of tough as nails guy to get out there and really, you know, put him into that really excellent sequence of um, of you know being with the Sand People and and learning their ways. And I thought that was kind of the I think that they wanted to functionally get that out of there and so they could move that character forward. I could have had a full hour of just him getting out of the Sarlacc pit and let's end the episode with him breaking through the sand. That would have been my preference. But again, I'm really drawing a lot of this from my love of the novels from over 20 years ago. And that might be a lot of what's informing my opinion. Alexis, what do you think? Well, unfortunately, the other thing is that they have since I I actually congratulations. Sarlacc pit anatomy is now in my search history on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) So they've actually do have the official anatomy of the Sarlacc. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, with what you're describing in the comics and the books, it can't happen. Okay. So basically, so it wouldn't surprise me. Someone actually said, what if we adapt that? It's like, oh, no, damn it. Lucas actually said what's inside the Sarlacc. We can't get away with that anymore. To to your point, they've said that all all the stuff is legends and not canon. I get that. But canon, shmanon, bobanon. That's what I want. I want. I want. I want the Sarlacc from the books. Go ahead. No, I did. I was hoping it was. A, I, I'll. I'll go with you. I was hoping it was a little more. What's the word I'm looking for here? Suspenseful mm-hmm. with getting out. Um, I do like the. I mean, I hate to say it. I do love that the minute he gets out, he gets freaking robbed by the Jawas. Of course he does. As we put it in the other, and I'm I'm moderating another book of Boba Fett podcast. We're doing episode by episode on another channel, you and somebody episode else five, put, right? Yeah, uh, episode five. Yeah, we just did episode five. At, no, we just did episode four. Episode five is this Wednesday. Between you and this other guy, I can't keep track of what I'm talking about. But <laughs> one of the other reviewers, we were talking about the Jawas, and he actually had the best. Oh, aren't you cute? Wait, where's my wallet? <laughs> just that's now the new reaction whenever we see chawas it's about right but i and again i like that they put that in there that would explain why he lost his armor mm-hmm. and i mentioned earlier the whole thing with the tuscan raiders with him joining them was fascinating very well done especially since he has to learn to communicate with them over time and that alone i really think we should have gotten a lot more episodes of his time with them before they get slaughtered by the pike syndicate as it were see i like i thought he spent an adequate amount of time with them um i was when you and i talked about this andrew you know i said as far as my 90 minute movie idea i think living with the sand people and earning their trust only for them to get slaughtered by the biker gang uh would have been great you know it would have been great storytelling it would have been tragic it would have given him motivation to this a story where Boba Fett is driven by revenge to uh, to to avenge the Sand People for their horrible murder by the biker gang, um, and then sort of falling into a rivalry with the other uh, with with the other crime syndicates and families and whatnot, because you know it starts with the bikers and then but the bikers belong to another part of the gang and it just sort of you know to the point where now we're having the three amigos ending with you know with with the fight in the street of the western town. Um, I think that would have been great. That's a solid story. Boba Fett being driven by, eh, I want to be Jabba the Hutt now. Roll eyes. Um, I'm not I'm not into it. Uh, and so that, that, that story of this show for me is it's such a mixed bag. When Boba yeah. Fett is motivated to try to avenge the death of the, of the Tusken Raiders, I'm into it. When he's doing stuff to try to be a mafia head, I'm less interested in everything that's going on in this show, Andrew. 
I'm sorry, actually, if I can jump in, I think yeah, it makes more sense that he would want to be the Daimo after that because he understands yep. that there is no justice and no real law on Tatooine. If you go back to Phantom what we, Menace... What are, what are we defining as Daimo? Because I keep thinking when he says Daimo that he is the head of a mafia family. Is that not what that is? I think from what I understand, and of course Dave's not here because Daimyo is actually a Japanese term. It mm -hmm. is kind of a feudal position, so... It, it's kind of a, I don't know if local warlords kind of the best way to say it, but it's kind of that mid-level functionary in a... If that's what we're saying, that, power. He's, that he's the mayor of Pumpkintown, I'm fine Not with mayor that. of Pumpkintown. Local, like local warlord is the best way to okay, put it, yeah. because there is a mayor. Okay. So, but if you go, remember back to Phantom Menace, mm -hmm. they actually say that Tatooine is not controlled in, by the Empire at all. It's controlled by the Huts, And they yeah. say the Huts are gangsters. The idea is that Tatooine is... In a sense, that lawless town of the Old West, mm -hmm. it is whoever has power in this area has the power, and there is no over-governing over body to control that. For me, the idea that Boba Fett wants to take over his Daimo is not, I just want to have Jabba's power. It's that he sees that there is nothing to help these people, the Tusken Raiders, who were who helped him and took care of him and he bonded with. 100% agree with you you explain that better than the story did. And that's my issue is okay. it's not, it's not entirely clear what his motivations are. Cause it comes across at least the way I interpreted it, Andrew, it came across like he's just driven by there's an abs There's an absence of power and a weak leader sitting in Jabba's palace. I'm going to go take it over because I'm strong. I think a stronger story. And what you're alluding to is, you know, First, he's wrapped up with the Tuscan Raiders, and that evolves into, hey, wait a minute. If somebody doesn't step into power here, everything's going to descend into chaos. That's more of a heroic thing I wanted for Boba Fett uh, from an anti-hero point of view. Go ahead, Andrew. And I think the other thing that we were missing from this series is that um, I think a lot of the scenes with... I think we needed, needed more time in the present just mm -hmm. kind of establish what that world was. I think there were a lot of touches they added on there. I like the sanctuary scenes. Those were kind of fun. Mm -hmm. um, I think the other thing we needed was we needed to really understand what Boba Fett was or who Boba Fett was before this this series started. Mm -hmm. um, I just ended up watching the um, the the special under the helmet or whatever it was called the the one on Disney Plus about Boba Fett, and they admitted he has six lines in the original movies, and one like, of them is ah yeah exactly. <laughs> so we don't have a real idea on what this was. Mm -hmm. And I love his motiv motivation of saying, I'm sick of being the one to do the dying. I want to run the thing now. So right, what I, I loved. Oh, and it's a great idea. But I think what we mm -hmm. needed there, and this would maybe kill two birds with one stone to allude to something else in this series. Go back pre-trilogy. Pre mm -hmm. Do another story of him put, being put in a position where he sees other people do the dying at the same time. So mm -hmm. you give him that little bit more motivation for for him to take forward. The other thing you can also do to work something in that I think is underserved is, in this is explaining who and what Cad Bane is because Cad Bane is awesome and is not explained in this series. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's the, that, that's the Chris Bailey argument was, hey, you know, th there's this character that's from this cartoon that you should have been watching, you know, if, if you're a real Star Wars fan. And it's like, no, 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 no. I understand easter egg something a little in the background there for the fans when you put a whole character out there with no good explanation no context and then you expect people to react who haven't read the cartoon my your react your expectation of my reaction should not be dependent on whether or not i watched another series okay and I'm you're writing there, this okay. series Oh, so, yeah, I think exactly. I said the same thing when we saw Solo, and I was just like, wait, Darth Maul's alive? Because, yeah, I have not seen the Clone Wars. I know mm -hmm. I should. It's on the to-do list. I yep. want to see it. But I have not had time. Right. And, and Cad Bane, I'll tell you right now, Cad Bane's actually one of the scenes. So, maybe I'll reorganize my thoughts here. So, I think the first thing, Mark, you're absolutely right. So, my parents have also been watching this. They're longtime Star Wars fans. Mm -hmm. They haven't watched any of the series. They had no idea what the hell a Cad Bane was. Right. On the flip side, the day after this, I was texting with, with two of my friends where literally the texts were, Cad motherfucking Bane! Cad motherfucking Bane! <laughs> because we know right. he's one of the th signs that the Clone Wars is great. The first season's really rough because mm -hmm. they have three storylines they recycle over and over again. And then basically two of the signs that this show starts getting better 
is when you start seeing Paul Dini in the writing credits and two Cad Bane shows up. Mm -hmm. So those are kind of your two scenes. But, you know, from somebody who hasn't seen it, and, and I had this conversation after the series was done, it's like you needed to build up and explain to people who haven't seen Clone Wars or haven't seen The Bad Batch or haven't seen Rebels what Cad Bane is. Right. So I think what you needed to do was, you know, along with his, you know, after he does that absolutely excellent introduction with Cobb Vanth, Mm -hmm. that's, do... I would say that scene uh, was so good when he walks in. Oh, uh, yeah. That was that was like a play on uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, wasn't it? Oh, for sure. And I think I actually saw people do memes of that, where it's like the good, the bad, and the ugly with mm -hmm. with that. But you needed to go back. I think you need to work in a flashback of of Boba Fett and Cad Bane to show what that relationship was like, mm -hmm. and again build that character up some more. And then see, that's the thing, you know. And, and we're dancing around. I'm going to say it directly. In the same seven episodes, a change in the structure, you know, think about this. The first episode, what if the first half of that first episode is, you know, is exactly what you talked about, is quick flashes of Boba Fett, you know, out yeah. in the world doing stuff. Boba Fett getting the job from Darth Vader. And then, you know, the final fight on Tatooine before he goes into the Sarlacc is, they, you know, they showed him... I, it's almost like sometimes I feel like with new Lucasfilm under its current leadership, they are so afraid or just adamantly opposed to showing anything from the Star Wars trilogy proper. And it's either you get stuff from the prequels or you get stuff from the sequels. But like the actual trilogy that's beloved by people, they're like, meh, <laughs> we don't need any of that. And it's so bloody frustrating because here's the thing. If you if you're just coming into this cold, like if my wife were to sit there and watch this with me, she doesn't know why he's in, what he's in, or why he's there. And it's like a critical element that they left out of that one flashback. Like I'm less concerned with him. You know, they you show him picking up his father's decapitated head, but you don't show him. You know, getting yeeted into the damn Zarlacc. Like what? What? Are, yeah, we're, we're making odd choices here. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing I kind of thought about in terms of Boba Fett and in terms of, like, they're showing the flashbacks of him being on, um... Ah, not Geonosis. Or, no, it wasn't Geonosis. Geonosis was... Oh, um, that was Camino. A planet. Camino, Cam yeah, sorry. Camino, and I just yeah. finished watching The Bad Batch. So you watch him. You know, I think about it, and I think about what they've done with some of the other characters and stuff like that. Like, I kind of wanted Boba Fett to say it to some, at some point where it's like, there's a million other faces. There were a million other faces like mine in the galaxy. All of them got brothers, and I got to be by myself. Yeah. Just, what you know, nice that, that's of kind that. of him looking for other people. The other thing, and I think it's interesting because we're now getting away from that creative team that was responsible for the sequel trilogy, and we've got that through line of, of John Favreau mm -hmm. and Dave Filoni, who've done great things, you know, so far with Mandalorian, and then Dave Filoni did all this great stuff with um, with Clone Wars, Rebels. The, I'm just going to say the animated stuff just stopped lifting mm -hmm. all the series. But this one started to feel like we're now on an Easter egg hunt, literally. Yeah. Because yeah. you had Cad Bane in there. You had... Um, you had Chris an Hansen, homage the, to the, the deleted... Wookie. So you had an homage to the deleted scenes from A New Hope with the... Um, Tachi Station. Yeah. yeah. You had uh, the other one in there was the little two footed droid throughout the shipbuilding scene. That's mm -hmm. BD1. So he's out of the um, the video game Star Wars Fallen Order. Great game. Again, not if, if you haven't played it, then it doesn't mean anything. And when right. when I'm sure the guy from uh, the guy from uh, Gotham who played the Joker shows up as Cal Castus, then everyone will say, who? <laughs> what? Right. You, you have to do to... a better job of you have to do a better job of balancing fan service with telling your story to an audience that has no idea what the hell you're talking about. Go ahead, Alexis. I'll say the fact is that filmmakers now are realizing that what we want are love letters to the fans. We saw that obviously with a, with Spider-Man No Way Home, mm -hmm. and it's clear that they're trying to do that with the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett. And yeah, I would have liked another set up with Cad Bane to explain who he is. I know the majority of the fans have seen the animated stuff and know who he was. 
And I had complete egg on my face as I have to explain to my friends because they're again, they're all like, you haven't seen it because I'm one of the nerdiest people they know. And I'm like, no, I haven't seen it yet. I do watching give- the Godfather and like, you know, a pop up trivia thing comes up and says, go read the book. I don't understand what's happening here. It's in the book. It's fine. I do give massive credit to the makeup and effects team for how they made Cadbane look in live action. That was incredible. And getting Corey Burton to reprise his role as the voice actor, I was legit worried actually when I saw who he was. And then I found out who was before I had a chance to check the credits. I'm like, and they got some big name actors. I know they stuck with Corey Burton. Good to know. He's an amazing voice actor. Glad to see he's still getting work. Hey, before we continue, let's take a quick pause for the cause and tell you about one of our great sponsors here that could have helped with the writing of this, would have gotten, you know, would have given them better ideas when they had bad ones, and that is Grammarly. For you listeners of TV Party Tonight, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. So download Grammarly today. Go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. All right. So just to kind of move things along here, Alexis, I'll stick with you. Uh, Ming-Na Wen kicks all kinds of ass. Oh, yeah. And while I'm sort of mentally exhausted that Hollywood has put forth this idea that men and women of equal si- of equal size will somehow end in an equal you know equal fight, it won't. But um, but I'm gonna give it to Ming Na Wen. She she still kicks all kinds of butt, and it's fun to see her do so. And uh, I said she this and Tamara Morrison both look amazing, considering the fact yeah. that they're both pushing fifty. Or no, wait, I think they're both pushing sixty. Actually, they're I think they're over 60. fifty. I think. I think yeah. it's like I think I said to like you fifty six. I think I said to you, Andrew. One of my favorite things about this show is the uh, is the give and take between Boba Fett and Fennec Shan, um, especially because Ming Na Wen, who's who plays a fairly stoic character. She just, she just, I think she just plays stoic characters no matter what she does. But she, she can do a lot with a smirk and a sneer and 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 a side eye than most actors can do with their whole bodies. And my favorite bit of this, Alexis, is you know when he decides he needs to go find his armor, and he's got uh, he's got Slave One in there hovering above the Sarlacc, and uh, they nearly get consumed by the thing, and she takes matters into her own hands and she blows the thing up, and he gives her this you know, and he sort of swallows and goes, "Don't touch, don't my, touch my buttons." And she and the doesn't move her head at all. You just see the eyes move and they go back again. Honestly, best performance of the entire series. It was fantastic, and it was such a little thing. So I, I, love, I enjoyed them together. See, I love this how dripping she is with just hilarity when they throw the one guy, the the uh, assassin, into the Sarla or not, no, into the Rancor pit. Mm-hmm. In my monsters mixed up they don't tell him that they don't have a rancor and then and he spills the beans and she just goes it's empty like you could just tell she's an inch away from busting up laughing and she's enjoying every second watching that guy squirm yeah i uh andrew i thought that um if the the show is definitely a mixed bag for me there there are some things i really did hate about it and there were things i genuinely liked um you know if you all things being equal if you just give me fennec shan and um and Boba Fett, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy around, I'll watch that show. I can watch Definitely. them just palling around doing doing space shit. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I think one of the one of the gags I saw online about this show was the uh, the meme out of Jurassic Park. And it's like, hello, when are you going to have some some Boba Fett in your Boba Fett show? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an unfair criticism. I mean, it's the seven episodes, and he's only not in two. Hey, at least we didn't have to deal with multiple episodes with the Power Ranger style Vespas. You know what? I was actually, I'm kind of okay with that. I'm, I'm, I'm okay to agnostic on the, on the mods and stuff like that. My favorite part of that was when Boba Fett sat down at a cafe and says, who wants to see Boba Fett eat a big sandwich? (laughs) No, I, I like the mods. I do. We were actually joking on the other show about how interesting it would be if something like that was available in real life. I'm like, uh-uh. I know too many people who would walk yeah. into that thing, take a machete, chop their arm off and say, okay, go nuts. Mm. Just, oh my God. I know, there, I know way too many people who'd go insane with that. But 
the mods I was okay with. And the idea of Boba Fett actually going to these kids and they're saying, well, we can't find work. And he said, fine, you want work, work for me. And they do. They're not saying like, oh, I can't find work just as an excuse for being lazy. No, they want jobs. When he comes to their side and tells, by the way, awesome Steven Root bit, amazing character actor. Love that he had that bit role as the water merchant. And, and even Boba yep. Fett's like, you know what? No, they're right. Lower your damn prices. <laughs> that was a good scene. And I, I mean, you know, just talking about the mods for one second here, I think it's it, it's kind of an appropriate aesthetic they went with because in a lot of ways you've always been able to kind of put Star Wars in reference to World War II. So technically mm-hmm. we're five years after World War II, so we're getting into the 50s. So, of course, we're now starting to get bikers and the Fonzies. That, the Fonzies, exactly, that kind of youth culture and things like that. So it, it kind of made sense. Um, going back to, uh, Boba Fett and Fennec, you know, again, Tamora Morrison's got great, great, um, gravitas in this role and he's got to deliver some, some wonky dialogue in, in a pretty straight face. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think I've talked about on here when we were talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., how, how much I think of, um, uh, Ming-Na Wen as an actress. She's actually coming to Calgary in a few weeks for the Calgary Expo, but, um, I think my only criticism of that was that I think they could have, they're both kind of two stoic badass characters with Fennec being just slightly more sarcastic than Boba Fett is. And I think there could have been a little bit more differentiation somehow. I listened to the critical drinker review this show. And um, as with all things with the critical drinker, I think he makes a lot of good points. I don't always agree with all of them. And he had a comment about this that other people had about Luke Skywalker from The Last Jedi. And it frustrates me because I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm going on 50 here. I'm not like you youngins. I'm going on 50. I'm an old man. I'm tired. Um, and that's something that Boba Fett talks about. He was like, I have nearly died a lot. This time, almost permanently. I'm exhausted. I'm done with all of this. His speech about, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, but his speech about, I'm tired of giving giving myself up to the possibility of idiots steering me directly into death. And that is exactly where a, you know, a 50 plus year old, you know, space pirate would land after a while. Hey, maybe I should do something else, you know. It's amazing what almost dying will do to change your perspective. And I feel like with some of the people ignoring um, this is what I'm getting at. Like, so much of this episode is him trying to avoid avoid a fight, which is the wisdom that comes with age. Because when you're in your 20s, it's you know, it, who doesn't want to pick a bar fight? You know what I mean? I'm sure oh, Alexis yeah. has walked into you know, drunk with a whiskey bottle in one hand, just walked into plenty of bars and you know, uh, drinking herself and wanting to start a fist fight. Who doesn't? Not when whiskey. Your, when you're in your 50s, however, you're probably not so much into wanting to get into fist fights anymore, you know, and starting bar brawls. And that's where I find Boba Fett. And so there are people who are criticizing it, Critical Drinker being one of them, where he's like, if you're going to do a show about Boba Fett, we want to see ass kicking, you know, bar fighting Boba Fett. And it's like, okay, well, then make him younger, which is to your point earlier. Like, then let's go back to, you know, pre Empire Strikes Back Boba Fett, not 50 year old, I've been eaten by the Sarlacc Boba Fett, Andrew. Yeah. And, and I mean, again, getting into maybe this is again a little bit of backstory they had to pu- they should have pulled in from the um, uh, from the animated series. Like mm-hmm. they actually, you actually see young Boba Fett in those series. Oh, do you? And the yeah, doesn't he like reason... try to infiltrate as a spy at one exactly. point? Exactly, and yeah, that's what I was going to get to. So his entire motivation for getting into the bounty hunter lifestyle and kind of associating mm-hmm. with them was revenge. He wanted resources. He was all of his storylines were around trying to kill Mace Windu. Okay. So, 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 so you when know. you're saying he was a get, he was um, a character. You talk about the Clone Wars. Yeah, like in the Clone Wars. So they have him okay. like, as Alexis mentioned, infiltrating the Jedi, the sort of the Clone Academy because he looks like the rest of them. So he tries mm-hmm. to plant a bomb to kill Mace Windu. He eventually hooks up with some bounty hunters. Him and Cad Bane do actually have an episode when he's like 15 or something like that. So. Like, they could have brought a little bit of more of that in there, saying that, you know, when I was young, I was motivated by rage and and vengeance, and then I was, it was the life I was in at that point, so I felt trapped, and, and now I want to do something different. And it's like, that's an interesting character motivation. I wish, and I was thinking about this with the second season of The Mandalorian, you know, like when Bo-Katan shows up, and Ahsoka, 
Um, no, I know Ahsoka because I, I watched at least some of the Clone Wars and I've seen the movie. I had no idea who the hell Bo-Katan was. I had to look that one up. And, Likewise. and yeah, and and this is the last time I'm going to bring this up, but I wish Lucasfilm would take a page from Marvel and from the Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson, because I think in both cases they were able to bring the audience along who might not have had any knowledge of what they were doing here. There's just enough in there to keep you interested in what's going on. And also just enough in there to, you know, to give the fans, you know, that feeling of, Ooh, I know what that little Easter egg thing is without losing both parties. And I think that's the problem that Lucasfilm is having. And Boba Fett's probably the best example of this is they don't seem to know where that line is. Um, and then, and they're serving, I think, Serving badly two different masters, Alexis. I think they. I don't think they do. I don't think they quite service the Star Wars fans enough. And I don't. I definitely don't think they can. They're bringing new people in for this. You know, and it's kind of a jumbled mess. Yes and no. Most of the people I know who are giant Star Wars fans were very satisfied with this. Mm-hmm. Um, they loved when Cad Bane showed up. They loved the that we got to see more of Grogu. They love that. I mean, the scene with Luke Skywalker and Ahsoka talking was the stuff that a million fanfics have been made of. And the idea of them actually putting these two characters together, Luke Skywalker's father's apprentice. Yeah. Just the, um, the stuff that everyone's like, Oh my God, the things that the, the idea of them talking and sharing stories was enough to send so many fans going insane. They were thrilled to get this kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. I understand where you're coming from. I do, but I have not seen anyone who else who's really complained about it. Okay. They really, they got what they wanted. I think, I, I think not, not to criticize those people. And I'm really trying not to, mm-hmm. but I also think that, recognition um, is artificially inflating opinion. I know what that is. And that suddenly becomes a good show. I understood that reference. Yeah. Damn it. You beat me to it. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, all right. As we're getting on to this, the latter half of the hour that we're going to spend talking to this, let me go to you first, Alexis. What do you want to talk about now? We talked about Boba. We talked about Fennec Shan. We talked about the Sarlacc and the Sand People and Grogu and the Mandalorian. What haven't I touched on that you would think, Bar, bar some discussion. You see, it's kind of hard because I've been talking about this on the other show. Now I'm like, wait, did I t- we talk about this then? Like or did we talk- but there's like 97 people on those shows. So what haven't yeah, you got to say? I know, right? <laughs> you tried talking to... It doesn't help that most of the other people on the other show don't have uh, cameras. So I'm speaking to their freaking avatars. So what haven't you got to say on that show that you could say now? One of the things I do love about this show, uh, there are some really great homages to mm-hmm. previous films we touched on the um the good the bad and the ugly yeah uh, which is really well represented in episode two the train scene took a lot from lawrence of arabia which mm-hmm. i thought was so well done especially a scene of the tuscan raiders uh going onto the train it was almost like a shot for shot of when uh they raided the train in that movie i really like the train sequence i mean i like a good train robbery to begin with but i uh, of the of the things that they did well that i have no complaints about that's high on the list this show while it may and it may anger some star wars fans like you're saying because it's either reaching too much or it's not reaching enough and i get what you're saying i really do from a cinematic point, this is a very beautiful, well-crafted series. Not to mention, there is now an outcry of fans for Bryce Dallas Howard, who directed several episodes of The Mandalorian and this, to be the new Helmer of the next Star Wars movies. They want they are very impressed with what she's been given us. They want more of her. I believe on the last show someone said she can't be any worse than her dad. To which I said, oh. wow, low blow. <laughs> And that launched the twenty. Ron Howard discussion. got a raw deal with Solo. I don't put that solely on him. No, no he, was, he was gluing that thing together with bailing wire and duct tape. For all, Solo for, was but, not a bad movie. It was just underwhelming. And in Star Wars, you can't have underwhelming Star Wars. You can't and, do it. And Rob, Robert and I talked about it at length. I'm not going to revisit that discussion in the last 15 minutes of the show. But I will tell you that much like Josh Whedon, without getting into all of his stuff, taking over for Justice League, it's very, very hard to step into a half, more than halfway done project. Um, it's 
It's a lot. I think Solo is unfairly maligned, as is Ron Howard. If you're going to malign Ron Howard, malign him for the things that were truly his. Don't malign him for Solo, which was a, at the at the ass end of his career and mostly out of his hands. Yeah, sorry. Ron Howard's made some amazing movies, but he's also made some pretty bad ones, too. Sure. Eh, not everyone's so, going to be a winner. Yeah, Andrew. but this was, like I said, this is just a gorgeous show, and yeah. I highly recommend it for anyone who wants to get into cinematography and film directing. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Again, one of the things that I think it does well is it makes good use of the desert scenery. Mm-hmm. That world looks lived in. Um, I, I do I do get a a sense of, of uh, the people who live there and what's going on. You know, it feels like another worldly place, which is what you want in your science fantasy. Andrew, same to you. What, have, what haven't we touched on that's on your agenda? Um, <clears throat> of course, I started coughing right there. Um, I think... <laughs> god damn it andrew (laughs) (laughs) i think we uh i think we've covered off the show pretty well i mean i think kind of going back to kind of sum up my ideas um Mm -hmm. you know it's it's a show that's less than its parts (coughs) lots of Mm -hmm. good parts just the way it's assembled is put together you know i I would not be opposed to another season of this where we get to focus on (laughs) tomorrow morrison we get to focus on fennec shand obviously they're setting up something with uh with uh cobb vanth coming back and you know Tim- so glad Timothy they didn't Oli- write off Timothy Oliphant. I love him in this show. I was about to say that is the most talented man from Honolulu to ever play a cowboy multiple times. <laughs> he plays it so well. It's Every scary. time he delivers a line, all I can think of is "As justified." <laughs> See, I go back to Deadwood with him because he okay. was he was the sheriff in Deadwood. But anyway, mm. uh, thoroughly enjoyed that. I do have to thank uh, Ludwig Gorenson, the uh, the composer. For the main theme, uh, mainly because I've been using that as opposed to "We Don't Talk About Bruno" to bounce my <laughs> two-month-old to sleep. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I will. I will play three things. I will play the Mandalorian that's played by the U.S. Ar- the Mandalorian theme by the U.S. Army Band. I will play Book of Boba Fett. But if Michael is still not asleep at that point, then we will go to "We Don't Talk About Bruno." So thank you for that at least. Also, when do <laughs> I get a theme song where people chant my name? We don't talk about Andrew. No, 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 no. Oh, damn it. I set myself up for that one. Walked right into it. I meant I meant more of the, the ridiculously awesome Boba Fett. Oh, anyway. Gotcha. Mark, Andrew where would I be able to Graham. find that? <laughs> it works. Mark, where would I be able to find the wonderful theme song that was uh that was on this show, by the way? Well, I'm so glad you asked Andrew Graham of the Screaming Boy podcast um where we can find uh all of that music you can find it on amazonmusic.com and as a matter of fact for those of you wanting to stream that kind of music for free we are giving away a free 30-day trial of the amazon music unlimited service if you click the link in this podcast at getamazonmusic.com slash w2m network again that's getamazonmusic.com slash w2m network uh you can try out amazon music unlimited free for a month if you like it, you can keep it. You'll pay a monthly fee like you would with Spotify or Apple Music. Uh, or you can cancel at any time. No fuss, no muss, no contracts, no pains in the butt. It's a wonderful service. We use it all the time, especially on the Metal Hammer of Doom when I have one of my ADHD squirrel medleys. So, again, that's getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network. All right. I'm going to sum up my thoughts here. Um, we've had a very nice discussion it's a slight show, so you know maybe we could have spent another hour talking about this, but I think we would have just kind of either delved a little too much into the gory details or we would have been repeating ourselves. In any case, this was not really what I wanted from a Boba Fett show. Um, it screams of some of the hallmark mistakes that Lucasfilm has been making since uh, they were bought by Disney from, um, from George Lucas. Lucasfilm, I think for me, Andrew, and I actually would like to get your thoughts on this, seems like, and and to a degree this is true, they are very much right now trying to figure out who the leader of this group is. You've got the the Forces female Kathleen Kennedy crew. You've got the John Favreau, Dave Filoni crew. You've got the people at Disney who have an agenda. And, And look, I'll be the first one to criticize a lot about Marvel, but the one thing you can say, that is a benevolent dictatorship run by Kevin Feige. He knows what we're doing, why we're doing it, and not that he doesn't make mistakes, but at least he is captaining the ship and giving it direction. This feels like a Hydra whose head can't figure out which way it wants to walk. 
and a lot of their projects. Look, I if, if you're a Star Wars fan who you know with religious zeal and zealotry uh, will forever love everything that gets dumped on you from Lucasfilm. But it ha- look, I I'm happy you're happy, but it does from w- when I look at it critically, it does feel like because there's so much turmoil behind the scenes at Lucasfilm, this stuff bleeds into their projects. And that's what I was I was trying to say before, where sometimes it just, you know, it feels like, oh, we got to make the Star Wars fans happy. Oh, well, we got to do this. And we got to do this. We got to do this. And it's like, I would just like it if you told a coherent story. Go ahead, Andrew, if you want to say anything about that. I think that one, that's, I've been thinking about that one a lot myself. Um, I think from a lot of what I've kind of heard and a lot, a lot of what I've read, the the kind of the creative Kevin Feige equivalent at Lucasfilm mm-hmm. now is Dave Filoni. So mm-hmm. he's kind of the creative visionary, kind of overseeing everything. Kathleen Kennedy has kind of moved back into more of a logistical role at, at Lucasfilm. But this sounds and like the DC thing where you're still not getting a clear picture of where everything is going because they're still in transition or this stuff is just too new for it to have had any great effect. I think that's part of it because they're also still in this. I think this role for Filoni was just confirmed within the last two years. They still had projects that were greenlit. Right. When it was yeah, this Warner is exactly Kennedy. what happened with Zack Snyder in DC. Well, and this is what apparently has been going on with Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron movie, which mm-hmm. God, I want to see because I love any of the 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 fighter scenes and in, in the Star Wars movie. But mm-hmm. you're definitely in there, and for better or for worse, you're seeing a lot of Filoni's influence. So any of the major characters and plot points you're bringing in, he did a lot of stuff on the Mandalorians and Clone Wars, so that's why we're getting so much Mandalorian stuff here. Ahsoka mm-hmm. Tano was basically his creation, so we're seeing a lot of her. We're seeing a lot of those story threads be brought in. Um, even I mentioned, I don't think he had anything to do with writing it, but mm-hmm. like Star Wars Fallen Order is very much a Dave Filoni kind of enterprise. It has the Inquisitors in it. It has that sort of thing. So I think he's kind of the, the overall creative force who's taking this forward. And again, mm-hmm. I think we're in a little bit of that. We're kind of in Marvel phase two right now where they were just getting it away from Mike Perlmutter and fully over to, to Kevin Feige. And we're kind of doing that same thing right now with Dave Filoni. So, well, I'm going to be interested to see where we are in about three years. You know, Alexis, I think the canary in the coal mine is going to end up being the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, which I want to be good. I'm, I'm oh, yeah. genuinely yep. excited for this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in that period between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. They're playing in that universe. We're getting a lot of known characters. You know, we're obviously Obi-Wan Kenobi. We're also getting Aiden Christensen back. And, you know, I, I'm not the most fanboyist guy out there, but this is something that I can, more so than Boba Fett, I'm legitimately excited to see the further adventures of, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I hope it's good. And I'm and if, if it ends up being good, I think, you know, to what Andrew was saying, They've righted the ship and they've got some solid footing. If it ends, if we're we're back again in two or three months, this this group of us, and it's crap, we'll know that things are still a tatters behind the scene and they don't know what they're doing. And I'll let you have the last word here. I agree. I don't think they. Re- I don't think Star the, the guys with Star Wars realized just how much of a boon Disney Plus was going to be when they mm-hmm. announced this streaming service. And I don't think they realized just how big Mandalorian was going to blow up the way it did. I look at what they did with the book of Boba Fett, and I think that they are still experimenting with how, with this direction. They're basically Mm -hmm. saying, okay, Mandalorian is making us a lot of money. Book of Boba Fett made us a lot of money. But is this still the way we want to continue? I think that they are unsure of that. I think also the fact that uh, the Bad Batch bombed as bad as it did. They're a little uncertain. Really? I Let me put it this way. All the cons I went to, I didn't see a single person cosplaying from it. I didn't see an ounce of Bad Batch merchandise. When you're you're saying bombing, like like it's not getting buzz in circles where other Star Wars stuff gets buzz. Exactly. Everyone talks about The Mandalorian. Everyone talks about Book of Boba Fett. Everyone talks about Grogu. I have heard zilch. I love Bad Batch. Wrecker is my spirit animal. (laughs) So I really think that at this point, they're waiting out to see how this goes. You're right about the canary in the coal mine. We also have the Ahsoka series coming up with the announcing um, casting and news for that. 
We've got Andor, which that's a series, right? That's that's already been, that's only the Lord of the Rings deal where they've greenlit season two before season one has come out, which drives me a little insane. Fair enough. Mm. I think that they're waiting to see how these go before they make any. They really put any more effort behind Filoni mm-hmm. or someone else. The thing about it's the last thing I say. The thing about you know the Infinity Saga was there was a definitive endpoint. Um, it, it you know the the streets the way you know the, how it got there changed over time. They didn't know they were going to have Spider Man for as just an example. Um, you know, and they, when they started off this, they didn't know how successful the Avengers was going to be. But at the end of the day, Kevin Feige always said the end the end goal was to get to the Infinity War, you get to the Infinity Gauntlet. Um, and so everything was in the service of that. So even if it felt disjointed at times, you know, like I don't really understand what Doctor Strange has to do with Black Panther and Captain Marvel. It all was working towards the same end goal. And I would like that for Star Wars. I'm not saying they have to have a big giant infinity gauntlet end to all of this, but maybe, you know, it do- it does feel like a lot of people swimming in uh, in every direction all at once. And it would be nice if everyone was swimming in the same direction. Uh, right. As a general rule for Lucasfilm, you were starting to say something, Andrew. I was going to say, and I think you're even seeing a little bit of that problem where right now you're you're functionally having series that are taking place in the past, mm-hmm. and you're writing, you're trying to write forward of that. So, I mean, one of the things that kind of gave me a headache in Episode Five was when they go through the entire plot point of that um, Beskar steel sphere being mm-hmm. built into armor for him. That will stop a lightsaber, which might be really, really handy to have for somebody if they're among other Jedi and one decides to go evil and try and kill everybody else. <laughs> Grogu is literally given plot armor during this series. Yeah. Like, it's I, just... I, I it's, said it before. I wish they had just left Grogu out of this entirely. Yeah. I think, he'd served his, I think he served his purpose, and now it was time to go into the West with the rest of the Hobbits. Bring, well, like bring I said, Jenny Trejo Disney back to calm down the Rancor. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, Disney is not going to shoot their uh, not going to shoot their golden cow. No, there's still more dolls to sell. All right, or just that's... leave it with with Din taking off at the end of season at the end of Boba Fett saying, "I got to go see a Jedi about a kid." <laughs> <laughs> and then there's season three. I got to go see a man about a horse. All right, uh, that is it. That is our discussion of the book of Boba Fett, such as it is. We will get together again for uh, what is the next one? Do, I, it, oh, Obi Wan Kenobi. Duh. Uh, we have a date for that sometime in the near future. Sorry, it's really late, folks. So whenever you're listening to this, just know that I stayed up all night to do this with these folks uh, after a twelve, after a almost 14, 15, 16 hour shift. Um, so tomorrow, Alexis Hannah will actually be back again. She'll be joining myself and Robert to talk the Uncharted series with. Because you know what it is, Alexis? You, you play video games, so I just assume you've played them all. And so when, you, and when you're like, I want to talk Uncharted. Ex- well, of course you do, because you've played the video game. Uh, I know a lot about the video game. Mm-hmm. I've watched Let's Plays of the video game. Okay. Uh, I have My customers are big fans of the game. Mm-hmm. I know it's an insanely well-made game, but no, I have not played it. You seem to be under the delusion that I have time to play video games, especially when this week alone, I you own my soul, Mr. Radlich. I'm just borrowing it. I'm renting it and putting it back. Um, so yeah, she'll be on for Uncharted uh, for DMU Hollywood Wednesday. Uh, myself, Pat, and allegedly Chris Bailey will be talking the mania of WrestleMania 17 and the demise of WCW, which took place around the same time. Um, we'll also be doing a review of Amorphous Halo and the Metal Hammer of Doom. And hey, Sunday night, I lost power. Yes, uh, some <laughs> transformer local to our neighborhood, blew, not, not the robot, but the actual <laughs> electrical piece of electrical equipment blew up in our neighborhood. And so for like a 12-hour period, we did not have power. So both the shows I was supposed to do that night got canceled. Uh, we're going to redo one of them Wednesday night. That'll be um, myself and Jason Teasley doing more of our tribute to Black history and Black cinema. We'll be looking at Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing, Malcolm X, and Old Boy, which is an unpleasant movie. Uh, Thursday, Alexis Hanna will be back. Tell you, I was I if I if I thought I could get away with it, I would not be doing Cuphead. I'd let my son run that show. <laughs> he my God, the, I often joke, you know, with Chris Bailey and some of you folks. Like I I did not sign up for your lecture, professor. 
I don't want to hear all about all of this. Give it to me in 10 words or less. I'm a busy man. And you're not getting a, no, sorry. You were putting up with my lecture. No, 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 no. When we actually do the show, it's fine. But watching Cuphead with my son, I got, you know, he, he turned into like that one guy from the skit, you know, from Monty Python, where I was with charts and diagrams and he was having to explain everything to me. My daughter was moping because there was no mermaid character. I was, like, there, did you explain to them that this series is going to come in three increments? They're obviously saving so Calamari no. for another. And that's her name. Her name was Calamari. Call. I, I don't know if it's Calamari or Calamari. I don't know where the emphasis is on the last letter, but she, she's going to show up besides the opening credits. Oh, and no, I am not going to lecture. <laughs> I am not going to lecture you about the game. I'm going to give a brief bit about the history of the game and how it got started. Okay. Because that leads into my animation lecture, which you will put up with, sir. <laughs> I welcome it in that particular hour that I have blocked out for it. Um, I only but... have an hour to talk. <laughs> yes only an hour uh but yeah i i got i got it from my son in spades like every ever every episode he was getting up running around going let me explain to you what this is and i'm like oh my god well at least now i don't have to explain to you the importance of the root pack arabian croaks you're gonna have to explain a lot of things i was barely paying attention to this show but we will be talking <laughs> cuphead season one uh this thursday at noon and then the evening alexis will be back yet again for her fourth show this week yep i piled all of her shows into one week in the month of february like uh, i said be, folks he owns my soul for this week it'll be her and jason teasley the protocol son uh we will be talking peacemaker an infinitely better show than this one <laughs> no <laughs> argument i love peacemaker i can't wait to talk about it that was for the neckbeards out there you neckbeardy star wars fans you yeah and then, um, and then i get a day off and then i'm back with jesse starcher to host tripped up trivia this weekend that is correct and while you're doing that i'll be doing man things me and robert winfrey being manly men doing man things right andrew we're gonna be talking boxing um unfortunately somebody got covid so instead of what it was going to be i think it was for the wba featherweight title this is now a featherweight el- WBA featherweight eliminator. It'll be Chris Colbert taking on Hector Luis Garcia on Showtime. And we'll be doing that after Robert finishes up um, his coverage for the UFC. And then Sunday night, uh, first myself and once again, the last show for the month of February and Black History Month. Uh, This one, but despite the fact that he won't admit that he did pick these, he did pick these. Uh, Jason's contribution to black cinema and criticism. Pootie Tang... The ladies, man, and because he's making me watch those two, I pick the third one because I'm a dick. Soul Plane. Ha! Mess with me, will ya? I'll make you watch terrible movies. Um, but when that's all done, the guys from Life is Like a Game Show will be coming on and we'll be talking the movie Quiz Show, which is uh, pretty fun. So that's what's going on this week. All right, Alexis, go ahead and plug your stuff. Honeysuckle Rose Creations, where fashion meets fandom at the intersection of geek and chic. We're getting ready to get back on the road. Thank God I have had the worst case of cabin fever. I want to get back on the road and back to the conventions. We're heading to the Lexington Comic and Toy Fair at the end of March. It's our first time working it. Super excited. It's a big four-day event. Really happy that we're going to be working that. we got Planet Comic Con here in Kansas City, and I just got notice the other day. We have been approved for NakaCon in Overland Park. This is one of the Midwest biggest anime conventions i am so thrilled we're going Hang on. back what to happened that. to you what did you get approved for naka con n-a you don't pay me enough for this shit <laughs> i wanted to give you applause here congratulations you got approved for a very popular we're also very proud of you you're doing amazing. <laughs> I'm done now. <laughs> the sleep deprivation is catching up with Mark. Yep. <laughs> Stop making me compare you to Jeff when you push the buttons, okay? I'm not doing an entire segment of the Chappelle show. I merely did this. <laughs> so you watched that, didn't you? <laughs> uh, I heard you talk about it. <laughs> Whole segment of Tyrone talking to elementary school students and he called it a meme it's like that's not a meme memes aren't three minutes long so other than that if you are interested in honeysuckle rose creations wares you can find us on etsy and handmade at amazon you can follow us on facebook instagram and twitter we're always up for custom orders we have plenty of merchandise inspired by the book of fat and the mandalorian and star wars in general so if you are 
as big of a fan as we are, then go ahead and stop on over. That's Honeysuckle Rose Creations, the intersection of geek and chic. All right, Andrew, tell them where they can do Cobra Kai with you. <laughs> I know Cobra Kai. I haven't even watched the latest season yet, I have to say, which I'm, I, <laughs> I got to catch up on. What, do you have a uh, baby or something in the house? What do you, what, what, you don't have enough time? <laughs> Children are no excuse. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I train at uh, Esteem and uh, Havoc Martial Arts here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Um, available on all the major um, social media platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Don't think there's a presence on Twitter, but uh, definitely come check us out for uh, top-level martial arts, including uh, Jeet Kune Do, Jiu-Jitsu, Estrada uh, Escrima, and uh, also our uh, karate program, for uh, which my son's in right now. So uh, definitely check us out, battle-tested, battle-proven. Um, also, if you stay afterwards, you're probably going to hear me and, and several other guys talking about Star Wars anyway. So we get to, to kind of rerun this entire conversation. So that's just the way we roll. Uh, other than More that, nerds. I believe I will. Uh, oh, the Venn diagram of nerds and martial artists is like that. <laughs> anyway, I took Taekwondo. You're not wrong. Oh, no, for sure. So um, probably the only other thing I can think to plug right now is I believe I'm on slate for the Batman on March 8th. Uh, yes, maybe it's entirely possible. All things are possible through Christ. Uh, All yes, things are possible yes, through are. the force, Mark. Come on. <laughs> like if you're gonna plug a religion, plug the right one. <laughs> uh, nope. Um. Yeah, you're on for the Batman. All right, fantastic. We're gonna debate right. if, it, if it's the Riddler or if it's Hush. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, can't wait. All right, folks, thanks for joining us here on our review of the Book of Boba Fett. Until next time, may the forest be with you. Be well, be safe, and behave.